Garcia, and I just want to testify. Um, one of the things I want to testify is when my wife got hit by a car uh, back in April 2013. Uh, we, we, you know, she had a broken ankle fracture, and the doctors were saying that she wasn't able to walk. But we, we, but we had a good church that you know supported us, loved us, and then. And then also we, you know, we, I loved, still love my wife when she was like, oh, are you going to leave me, all that. And then I, you know, I felt God's love. We felt God's love in the midst of that. And my wife did ended up walking faster than the doctors expected. And the doctors didn't even think that she was going like, to be able to walk at all. But God was good. My wife not walked. And, you know, we have that testimony that, you know, that even the devil hits us or something, we could still come back and walk with the Lord. And we still feel his love. Uh, I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 17. Um, so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how deep is the love of Christ, to know that his love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. It's through love that we know that God loves, knowing God is how we know he loves us. And I just, I'm going to pray right now and just welcome us to the service. I pray that everyone in this room, despite what they're going through, may know Lord Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, that you may, their, your love may be filled in their hearts, oh God, that they may grow in the fullness of Christ and that you, they can overcome because you love them in your heart walks them through that trial or tribulation or whatever they're going through. I pray that our love for you will be strong and that your love will pour, be poured out into our hearts and express throughout you, to, back to you and to other people. In Jesus' name, I pray for you.
on, lift your hands and sing this. Come on, we're free. Free to love you. I'm free to live. Free to give. I'm free to be. I'm free to love you, Lord. My chains fell off. My heart was free. This next song is called Relentless. You know, when you sing these songs, we sing about God, and, and God's love is relentless. And what does that mean? Like, it never stops. You know? So right now, let's just with eyes closed. Come on, I want you to get a picture of heaven right now. Come on, where Jesus is in heaven. He's seated on the throne next to the Father. Come on, the Bible says that he prays for us. Did you know that? Come on, did you know that Jesus prays for us? He's relentless. You see, he died on the cross and he went to heaven, but it doesn't stop there. He sends out his Holy Spirit. He sends his love. So, Lord, right now, God, as you're relentless towards us, God, we chase after you this morning with our words with our praise, with our adoration, with song and thanksgiving, with shouts of joy. Because God, you never fail. And the way you pursue us, when we make mistakes, Father God, when we fall short, it never ends. It's unconditional love. i 
say by that it's not because we always want to get more emotion it's not emotion what we're feeling right now the spirit of the Lord is in this place and I want you to understand it's not about the goosebumps it's not about how well you can sing today it's not about how you're feeling in your physical body come on it's not about your circumstances around you it's not about the weather. It's not about what you have to do. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. He's in this place, and He resides in you. But I believe that the Holy Spirit comes on you with power. Not to be a better singer, but to be a disciple of Christ. And so we come in these moments as a church just to get recharged, just to sing to God. There's something powerful about corporate worship. When like-minded hearts, with like-minded people come into a place and they worship God and they say, God, whatever I have, I give to you. You may not be feeling your best. You may not sing the best. You may not be the most popular person. But come on, he invites all people. He says, whoever's thirsty, whoever's hungry, he invites you to come. Come on, so with all eyes closed in this place, to get rid of all the distractions that may be lingering, would you just lift your hands as a sign of surrender? As a sign of you saying, we're coming, Lord. We're coming after you. And as the band begins to play, would you pour your heart before the Lord this morning? Would you pour your heart before the Lord? We're not all aware of everything that goes on in your life. But the Bible says that he gives you power from on high. Come on, the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we receive it right now, God, for your disciples, for your church. And it's time of worship. Come on, you between the Lord. You can shout it out. You can pray to yourself. But I want everybody in this place right now praying to the Lord.
at one point, dear God, sinners considered your enemies. But you've extended your mercy and your grace. And for that, we sing hallelujah. For that, we say thank you, King Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love and compassion. Thank you because you were slow to anger with us, dear God. Thank you, dear God, because you opened up our eyes to see we were lost, but now we're found. We were dead, but now we're alive. And for that, we sing hallelujah. we thank you for your presence because we know that you are here we thank you because you're doing a new thing in the lives of your people so I lift up all of us here at MPI and I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning Father, whatever situation we're going through, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would direct us, dear God, in the right path. Father, if anyone is burdened this morning, has a heavy heart, I pray that you would lift it. I pray for sick bodies to be healed in the name of Jesus. I pray that those who are being held captive and oppressed would be set free in Jesus' name. I pray for blind eyes to see. I pray for born-again spirits. Come on, do you have faith with me this morning? Lost family members to be saved in the name of Jesus. Those that we've been preaching to, to walk in here broken, dear God, and lay out at your feet. That's what I'm believing this morning. Come on, church, do you believe with me? Do you believe the God of the Bible can still do what he said he would do? Come on, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. He has come to deceive. He's come to kill and to destroy. So I come against every lie of Satan over every believer's life right now in the name of Jesus. I tie and I bind his lies and I send them back to hell where they came from. Father God, I pray for your truth to penetrate this morning. I pray for faith to arise in all of us in Jesus' name, that we would live the life that you've called your children to live in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that with me this morning, say amen. Amen and amen. God, you are so good. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> God is good. Please find your seat this morning. I want to just take this time to share the gospel. If there's children in this room, please. Ooh, God is good. Go to the back and your Sunday school is waiting for you. My name is Pastor Griselda. So good to have you all here with us this morning. Um, it is amazing to come, to gather together as believers and worship the King. I'm actually uh, stepping in for Pastor Nancy. Actually, uh, Pastor Joe and Nancy were in a car accident last night. And so um, we're just praising God because they're okay. The ki children were not harmed. 
Um, Pastor Joe is okay. He's actually on his way, I believe, still. Um, so he's going to bring the word. Um, but Pastor Nancy is in the hospital. Um, she ha- broke her ankle. Uh, well, her br- ankle was broken. And um, she will be needing surgery. So please keep them in your prayers. Please just join us in just praising God that they are okay and that, um, you know, they're still with us. And we just, you know, they do so much for us. So during this time, we want to be there for them and just cover them in prayer. If you want to bless them in any way, just feel free to message Nancy. She'll be home sometime this week, and I'm sure she'll get back to you as, sh- as soon as she can. So right now we're going to get into the word. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 13, 38. I want to share this passage with you for any of anybody present in this room. If you don't know Jesus Christ in, as your Lord and Savior, if you have not been born again, you don't have a place in God's kingdom. That's why we gather today to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because without him, we are lost. And so here in Acts 13, it says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Amen? Why are we lost? We're lost because of sin. We're lost because of the penalty of sin, because of the consequences of sin. We are lost without Jesus. And there is no amount of good work to cleanse us from that sin. Even if you kept the law of Moses, even if you kept a certain religious code and prayed five times a day and and just sought God, without the forgiveness of your sins or the washing of your sins through Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. But praise be to God that he says that your sins may, can be forgiven. Amen? He says every one of your sins can be forgiven. And so you, you want to know what the enemy wants to come and do to God's people? He wants to say, you know, God can, can forgive so-and-so, but he can't forgive you when you did this and that. It may, maybe you've took, taken somebody's life or caused harm to somebody else. And so you might look at another person and say, hey, God can forgive Griselda, but he can't forgive me because they don't even understand the wickedness that I've gone through. But the truth is that God sees everything. Amen. And he says that every sin can be forgiven through Jesus Christ alone. Amen. You can be set free from the bondage of sin and you can receive eternal life through Jesus Christ and him alone. Keeping the commandments is amazing because that's how you show love right back to God. But that's not how you earn your salvation. It's by you putting your faith in Jesus Christ, accepting him as your Lord and Savior, and just living the life that he has for you. Amen? There was one point where I sat here in a a church service just like you, and I did not know Christ. And I came just because it was Easter service, and I was invited by my sister. I had no intention of living for Jesus. Amen? I liked my clubbing. I liked my sin. I liked having my boyfriends, and that's what I was doing. That was me. But Jesus Christ had other plans for me on that morning, on Easter service 2007. As I sat there in a chair and looking at the pastor, pastor comes up to me in front of the entire congregation and begins to tell me things about my life. There's no way that man could have known. I was in a point in my life I could care less about God. I was very indifferent about it, but God knew me, knew me by name. Amen. He knew my sin. He knew my history. He knew that I was about to move out of my house, and that's not what he had in in store for me. He knew that I was not in school, but that I would finish school. Amen. And today, I promise you, God has changed me and transformed me. After that encounter with God, I live for him ever since. 
He did not hold sin over my head. He set me free. He forgave my sin. He set my feet on a new path. Amen? And today I have eternal life. So I don't stand up here thinking I'm better than anybody else because I know I needed a Savior. So my friends, you need a Savior as well. So call on the name of Jesus this morning and be saved. Amen? Please stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray right now for those of you who want to live for Jesus. We're going to have prayer workers off to the side right here. If that's you, please come up to them. And they want to pray with you as well. Let's close our eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you see the depths of our hearts, dear God. The sin nobody else sees, but yet you still call us by name. Although we were enemies, Lord, now you call us friends and you want us to be your children. You want to adopt us into your kingdom. So I pray that if there's anyone lost in this room this morning, that they would call on your name and be saved. That you would direct them on a new path. That you would take the sin and the condemnation off of their shoulders and they would live free in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't you give the Lord some praise? He is good. Right now, we are going to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is what we stand on. This is how we see the world. And so we're going to recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. He is good. Won't you find somebody to greet? And if you need prayer, our prayer workers are right up here for you.
All right, all right. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Once again, it's so good to have you here with us this morning. Please find your seats. Who's excited to be in the house of God? Come on, we endured our first snowstorm. You guys made it. You guys are troopers for being here. Amen. And it's only, it's only getting better, right? So thank you for joining with us. If you didn't catch it the first time, my name is Pastor Griselda. Really excited to be here with all of you and wanting to give you some announcements. So here at MPI, we have two main services, Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. with uh, King's Kids, uh, the nursery in the back for those of you who need it. And we have Friday uh, Elevate Youth Service at 7 p.m. Elevate. Elevate. Awesome. So if you know any teens from the ages of 11 to 18 years old, please send them out to our youth service. And just want to give you some quick announcements about what's happening this week. Uh, this Thursday, November 26th at 9.30, we're having our annual Thanksgiving outreach. Who's excited for that? Just raise your hand. Let me see you. All right. So we're coming out. We're coming out strong. We do this every year. We meet at the church. And then we head out to this church at the, on the west side, Universal Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, we go out, we evangelize, we, we reach out to the community, let them know that we have an awesome dinner prepared for them at the church. Some people will be at the church helping to serve, and we just want to share life with people, amen? So if you want to join us, please meet here once again at 930. Talk to Pastor Susie if you have any questions about that. And the good thing about this is it's so early on in the day, you still get time to go home, cook your, your dinner, and eat and enjoy your time with your family, amen? And then also, here is our first announcement about our Christmas service. Amen, who's excited about Christmas coming up right around the corner? So this year, it's called A Tribute to the King, and as you know, we have a talent show. So if you're interested, if you have a talent and you are already in 201, or you're an elder or deacon, please talk to Adam, Ishmael, Jerry, or Lauren, uh, but today, just Adam, raise your hand. And if you got a talent and you want to display it and you want it to, to make a tribute to the king, amen, please talk to him and we'll get you connected with all the details that you need. Uh, so it's December 20th. Obviously, it's at the 10 a.m. and the 1 p.m. service. And like I mentioned earlier, I got saved at an Easter service. So around these holidays is the time to invite lost family members and friends so they can come hear the gospel. Amen. And so that is what we're doing uh, for Christmas. So here at MPI, we have a vision of loving God and loving, loving God and loving people. Everything we do is through this. It just falls under loving God and loving people. And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We want to make sure that you are connected to Jesus, right? He's the reason why we're here. Connected to him as your Lord and Savior. And then also that you get connected to life groups. Somebody say life groups. All right, we got something for everybody. If you just want to take your announcement sheet and just scan it. There's something for singles. There's something for the children, uh, young adults, single moms, uh, youth group, all of that. We got, we got it for you, okay? And so what you want to do is find a place where you belong and you want to share life with people. So here's what's going on this week. Today we have the single moms group meeting at 5 p.m. Come on, single moms, make some noise. We got Wednesday's King's Kids, ages infant all the way to 11 years, and it's a, an amazing program. Royal Rangers for the boys, Impact for the girls. They get their little vests and they do badges, all the good stuff. So you want to get connected with that. They meet here at 6.30 to uh, 8 p.m., is it? Okay, 6, 6.30 to 8 p.m., meeting here at the church. Thursday, we have our gang outreach heading out to uh, different places around Chicago, reaching out to the gangs. I think actually they're 
stationed in one place. So you want to talk to Steve Ramos or Jose Riesco. Jose, raise, raise your hand. If you're interested in that, it's a powerful ministry, and it's becoming very, very fruitful. So please uh, talk to them for more information. And then Fridays, we have the Govea Bible Study and the Walker Bible Study. So that's my house and my brother-in-law's house right there. Uh, we want to go through the word, worship, fellowship with you, and just grow together. So that's every Friday, 7 p.m. And then Saturday, of course, we have evangelism, going out into the streets and preaching the gospel to anyone who will listen. Amen? So get connected. Somebody say, get connected. Come on. All right, so the second part of our strategy is to get mentored. We want to teach you about Jesus. We, we're not just going to leave you hanging. Okay, now you love Jesus, just do it. Okay, no. Somebody is going to walk with you through, um, through this stage of your life. So they're going to mentor you. They're going to meet with you one-on-one -on -one with you to learn some amazing basics, fundamentals about the faith. And so after you finish with the 101 discipleship, you go on into the 201. Somebody say 201. And that is disciples that makes disciples, and it's a leadership class training you up to just be effective, to impact the world around you. And so after you get mentored, we want to send you out. Somebody say send. All right? You're going to go somewhere, right? You're not going to stay. You're going to go. And we're going to send you out wherever the Lord leads. You know, maybe right in your community. Maybe, at, well, obviously in your community. Everybody should reach out to the community. But God has different plans for each person, so you got to be open to where he's going to send you to. And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in Chicago, 50 churches, and 500 all around the world. Amen. You guys believe that? You guys, God is doing it. Amen. So let's just uh, stay in prayer, believe that, and just know you're a part of that. Isn't that great? Say, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. Amen. So now we're going to get into our giving lesson. We are in lesson five of our giving lesson. We're talking about hindrances. So let's open up to your Bible, Galatians 6, 9. And I love these lessons on tithes and offerings because before I was saved, I just laughed and I mocked people because they gave their tithes and offerings to the church and so it's important to know why we give right where God commands and so if you haven't gone through through it with us there's there's um the lessons the giving book is on our website please feel free to go through it but every week we have a lesson on giving and this this section we're talking about hindrances and things that get in the way of our giving so what is the definition of hindrance it's something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands we all have hindrances, amen, but it's a matter of overcoming them. And so the scripture, Galatians 6, 9, tells us, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen? We cannot give up in doing what God has called us to do. And so in regards to our tithes and offerings, uh, we cannot grow weary. The first point tells us, here's the question, it says, Are you getting tired of doing good? The Bible is clear that not only are we to not give up doing good, but we are never to allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. It is not good enough to just serve God out of obligation, but God wants your service to him to come from a heart of joy. Amen? We can get so used to keeping God's commands and doing them that we forget why we do what we do. You just, you know, fill out your little slip, you drop it in the bin, and, and you don't even know why. But there always has to be that heart of joy and thanksgiving and why we're doing it. It's an act of worship unto him. For some, it is a sacrifice, but you got to believe God sees your sacrifice and he knows what you're going through. So don't be weary. Number two, it says, do you doubt God's timing? Impatience is a form of pride because we want God to do things our way in our timing. However, true faith trusts God even when you don't understand his ways. 
Remember, God's blessings may not come when you want them to, but they are always on time. Amen. And lastly, it says, do you think your harvest is not coming? Fatigue and weariness sets in when you lose sight of God's promises. It happens when all you see is your sacrifices and not the heart of God for your life. Don't allow present circumstances to dictate your identity. Praise God and be faithful at all times in sowing and in reaping. Amen. Somebody say, don't grow weary. You cannot. You cannot grow weary. You cannot grow impatient. Because as you remain faithful to him, God sees it, and he will reward your faithfulness. Amen. In summary, make the joyful choice to not become tired of serving God with your finances. If you're saying, I want to apply this to my life, where do I start? Number one, be a faithful faithful in giving your tithes. That's 10% of your total income. And an offering is anything that you give to him after your tithes. Excuse me. Number two, repent if you have allowed yourself to become tired and impatient in your giving. Just say, God, forgive me. And lastly, ask God to give you his strength and joy to never grow weary or give up. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me. Let's recite this over our lives, over our lives, over our finances. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement or fatigue in my giving to God. I will over bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Amen and amen. So what we want to do now, uh, just remind you that you can, you can give online. You can give in the back with me if you want to give with your uh, credit card with your debit card please find me and I'll give you more information on doing so also if you want to purchase hoodies t-shirts talk to me and I'll uh, set you in the right path amen let's recite this scripture together in Luke 6 38 Jesus said give and it will be given to you for with the measure you use it will be measured to you let's pray father God we thank you so much for the blessings over our lives we thank you that we are taken care of, dear God, that we lack no good thing. So I pray for faithfulness on our behalf. Lord, if there's someone who's struggling and they're growing weary and they're giving, Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to them and they will remain faithful to you, knowing that, that as they remain faithful to you, dear God, you're going to meet their need. In Jesus' name, I come against all these hindrances that may come upon your people, and I pray that you would open doors, dear God, that they would be victorious in this area of finances. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your faithfulness over our lives lives, and I pray for favor in the workplace for people. I pray for promotions. I pray for wisdom to get rid of debt. In the name of Jesus, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Please come up as you give. Thank you. Amen. How many are ready to love Jesus? Can I get a whoop whoop? Amen. It's so good to be here. Thank you guys for praying for us. We had definitely a scare yesterday. It was really intense. We were, uh, my wife and I were coming home from uh, Lauren's birthday party. 
And as we were coming home, there's a place where the road splits off, and uh, you can either go straight or go to the right. And at that same point, there's a fork for the oncoming traffic, and uh, I guess the guy didn't know what he was doing, and so he didn't put on his brakes. He came right into the oncoming traffic, and uh, my wife saw it. She screamed out. I put on the brakes. We uh, collided, totaled uh, both vehicles, and, uh, you know, we were just scared for the kids, you know, and then Nancy's leg was really hurt. We were trying to figure out what's going on. We're out there in the middle of the highway. And uh, the long story short is, is thankfully, and I say thankfully because it could have been a lot worse, uh, all that happened was um, Nancy's ankle got broke. And so we, uh, we had to go to the hospital. All the other kids were fine, um, you know, but uh, Nancy had to stay. And I asked her, what did you want me? You know, I said, honey, what do you want me to do? And she said, there's nothing really you can do for me here, so come and preach. Because you know that would heal my heart, you know, preaching and sharing God's word. Because uh, to, to me, church is not just an organization, you know. It's not just like I'm coming to a place to do something. I, I'm coming to experience God here with you, you know. And so I wanted to experience God with you, preach an encouraging word, be encouraged myself. And uh, my wife's family is going to attend to her as well, and I'll be there tonight. But, you know, there's not much we can do other than just pray that the doctors, you know, really do the right thing. So we're just going to pray right now for my wife. Is that okay? Uh, you know, this, the, the thing as well with kids, you know, I don't want their, their memory to be a traumatic experience of this either. So uh, we're just going to pray for my kids to, you know, you know, be at peace and for mom to get better and for everything to work out. Amen. And uh, let this be a, remi a remembrance, a uh, reminder to us, rather, that we all have, uh, you know, limited time on this earth. No one's promised tomorrow. I was talking to uh, Andrew Sienski's father yesterday, who has uh, some health issues, and I was saying, you know what, no one's promised tomorrow. You know, uh, here you're now realizing that some things may be serious in your health, but I may die on the way home. And I literally said that to him. I may die on the way home before you. No one is promised tomorrow. So we always have to be ready to meet Jesus. And then, you know, not let fear take a hold of our hearts, you know, because we're in the land of the living. We're going to do it all that we can for God. Amen. And my wife is so brave. If she wanted me there, I would have been there. I, like I said, I didn't have to come. The pastors could have easily have, have pastored and preached today. But she said, no, go. I'm going to be out here doing my thing. You know, they have her drugged up and she's in a safe place. But let's pray for her and let's pray for the kids. Amen. Father, we uh, lift up to you, my wife, Lord. We ask you to heal her. We ask you, uh, God, to encourage her, Father, uh, through the family, through all of our efforts to love on her. We pray, God, that the doctors will have wisdom uh, to perform the surgery, to do all that they have to do, Lord, and that uh, she will recover well. And, God, we also pray for the kids, God, my children, Lord, that they won't have a traumatic memory of this, that they'll know, uh, most importantly, that you had taken care of them, that you had uh, provided for them, and that, Lord, they will uh, look at how good you were through this situation. And, Lord, I just thank you for letting me be here today and uh, just letting me be with your people, speak your word, and be encouraged by it, God, because your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of John. We're talking about abiding today. And, uh, yeah, so if I don't have as much energy as I normally do, I had to sleep with my two girls last night as mommy wasn't there. 
so bear with me. And uh, it was special, but I was getting hit in the head and all types of different things uh, were happening. So I got a, a little bit less sleep. On the way here, I bought as much fruit and Gatorade as I can to power up. I don't drink caffeine because I don't think you would want to see me on caffeine. I don't want to see me on caffeine. But, uh, yeah, I'm just feeling really good to be here. So if I'm a little bit not as intense, that you'll know why. But let's look at this passage. Today's message is so providential. You know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, Jesus uh, being, or the, rather the Father being our gardener and the Father protecting us and keeping us through our life's hardships, you know. And here I've experienced one, and I've talked about that. And if you remember last week I said, you're not even promised that the days ahead are going to be better than the days behind. We always know with God. The best is yet to come in the sense like God's going to do great things through us, but we never know if that's going to come at the cost of suffering. And, and let this just blow your mind just for a minute. That is what Nancy and I literally were talking about because I was telling her about this message and I was talking about how God uses suffering to bring us closer to Jesus as we came into that intersection. I mean, I, I just can't tell you how God uh, prepares our hearts for these things. But then today's message, as I was connecting it to yet last week's message, is about abiding in Jesus' word. So as we go to John 15, I want you to uh, say abide with me every time you see that word, read it out loud with me. And then as we get around to this part about the word, I want you to think about how Jesus' words are supposed to abide in our hearts. And that's what gives us comfort through whatever situations we're facing. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, every time you see abide, say it out. Everybody say abide. Thank you. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Thank you. Let's keep going. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now look at this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, is withered. They gather them up, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Think about that. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, also I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Amen. You know, just always preaching from personal experience. This is where I'm at right now. So I'm abiding in the love of God. My wife is abiding in the love of God. We're teaching our children to abide in the love of God. And as we talked about last week, the father is the gardener. He is looking over your life, just as a gardener looks over uh, the vineyard that he has planted. And so God is, is meticulously taking care of us. But there are situations sometimes in our lives where we we feel like, where is God? You know, where is God in the midst of our situations? And so what Jesus is saying to us is that the Father's in control, and he's going to take care of us, but what we need to do, do is abide in him. And then he clarified in that passage a way that we can abide in him is by abiding in his words. You see, right now, I'm not home with my children, but I left instructions with my children, with my mother-in-law, and I said, Lucas, Bethany, Hannah, Zoe, you guys obey, you listen to Grandma, yeah, yeah, you pay attention, right? And if they abide in my words, things will go well with them. 
if they don't abide in my word, when I get back, things won't go well with them, okay? And, and that's just so true when it comes with God. God is saying, here's how you do it. Here's how you face the situations of life that are scary. Here's how you face life when it's not always easy. You abide in the words of Jesus. So wherever you are in life, you know, you can abide in Jesus. What if you're a Syrian Christian right now? I mean, imagine day after day after day, the persecution, the hardship they're going through. They have to learn to abide in Jesus. They don't get to trust in their government. They don't get to trust that things are going to go good and get better. They have to just literally trust Jesus with everything. And what about some of you here that come to the altars and say, you know, Pastor, pray for my loved one. They're sick. They've been given a terminal, um, you know, they have a terminal disease and they've been given bad news. Just like I said, talking to Andrew's father yesterday, been given bad news about his liver and different parts of his body, and, and he's fighting for his life. And, and what do we tell people like that? Abide in the words of Jesus. Jesus. Because when everything else fails, the Bible says the word of God will endure forever. The Bible says the glory of man will fade, all of the earth will go away, but the word of God will endure forever. And so God wants us to abide in his word. Now, I am such a practical person when it comes to this that I wanted to give you guys the practical steps that I see in the scripture of abiding in the word of God. And so what I want to do is give you seven benefits of abiding in the word of God, scripture memorization and these kinds of things. And then I want to talk to you about actually biblical meditation. This may blow your mind. Trust me, I'm not becoming a weirdie and starting to eat only uh, vegan foods, okay? I'm not wearing yoga pants, but I'm going to teach you guys seriously something that's been in the church ever since Jesus has been around, ever since even before the time of Jesus and the time of the Old Testament saints about how to literally get the power of Jesus' words. Are you with me? Somebody say, I'm there. See, you got to get in that mindset of abiding in the word of God. How many would say, I'm in that place right now? See, you're, are you abiding in God's word here? Somebody say, I'm there. Because if you're not abiding in God's word, what are you abiding in? Worry, fear? Are you abiding in just what people think about you, abiding in your bank account? All of those things will pass away. We have to be like this grape right here, abiding in this vine right here. And the way we can do that is through the word of God. Now let's look at these seven things, and I'm going to go through these scriptures, so let's not be in a hurry. Let's go to Romans 10, 17 to look at the first benefit of scripture memorization. Now when I start talking about scripture memorization, what I'm going to be talking about, if I could get my Bible up there please, is I'm going to be talking about how to abide practically in the word of God. Everybody go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and I want you to see how powerful this is going to be. And guys, for some reason, I'm not connected here, so can you uh, put in Romans 10, 17? Thank you. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hands because I don't want to bear with anybody, but how many of you already have a practice of memorizing Scripture? Already, some of you have to raise your hand to boast. No, I'm kidding. But I'm, I don't want anybody to raise their hand. Don't raise your hand. But I just want to ask you, I want to ask you that question. How many of you are abiding in the Word of God by practicing Scripture memorization? I'm going to give you these reasons why you should do it, and then I'm going to help you understand a little bit about it. But let's just get some of the preface here to why it's so important. Look at this. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So when we listen to the word of God, we see that faith comes. Faith comes. Now how many of you think to yourself? Does anybody think to themselves? Okay, you guys going to be tough on me this morning. I need your help here. Okay, how many of you are thinking right now? Does your thinker work? 
Okay, how many are thinking, uh, like how many think on their job? Do you guys have a job and you think? Okay, how many think when you're at home? You guys think? Okay, now I'm going to ask this question again to pay attention because it's not a trick question. How many of you think to yourself? Okay, now when you have what they call self-talk, self-talk, you are telling yourself things about the day. You're telling yourself things about how you feel, things about what you're expecting to happen on your job, self-talk. Now, they have found out that most self-talk is negative self-talk, that most of the time when we're talking to ourselves, we're not being very nice. So imagine yourself. You look at yourself first thing in the morning. Start off right there in the mirror. When you look at yourself, do most of you say, I look so beautiful, I look so handsome? Or do you go, oh, what's that in my eye? What's that in my ear? What's, oh, my gosh, what's happening? See, we start negative right there. And then what happens as we go throughout the day? Oh, man, it snowed today. It's going to take me longer to get to work, right? Oh, it's cold. Oh, I forgot to do the laundry. Now I got to pick this thing out. And then as you're getting ready, oh, man, look at the toast burn. And self-talk will follow you like that the rest of the day. Literally, it will follow you negatively through the rest of the day. Oh, my boss wants to talk to me. What does he want to talk about? Or you know what? I got to talk to this employee. I wonder if she's going to give me an attitude. And we get into this place where we stop believing that God's word can give us hope. And we're taking on in our own thoughts. We're taking on our own perspective. And so what we need to learn is that that first benefit here of beginning to memorize the scripture, abiding the word of God, the first thing that we begin to realize is that the word's going to build our faith. Think about that. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So what if you woke up in the morning and learned and memorized the scripture that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you woke up in the morning, you spoke that to yourself in the mirror. You didn't look at the crusty in your eye. You didn't let that take away who you are. You didn't let your jacked up hair mess you up in your identity that day. You looked at yourself in the mirror and you go, praise God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, that's a scripture that's going to start building your faith. Then what if you go down and you start preparing for your breakfast and you memorize a scripture that says, I'm more than a conqueror. And now as the toast gets burnt, you say, I can make it through this. I'm more than a conqueror. And your self-talk becomes the scriptures that you're memorizing. Do you think God's going to keep his word and faith is going to start coming in your life? You see, sometimes we wonder, where is faith? Where is my hope? Where is my ability to believe God for great things? It's not going to fall off the faith tree and hit you on the head. What is going to come, uh, what, where faith comes from is through hearing the word of God. And why not hear it every day in your own heart? That's the first benefit of scripture memorization. Now, the next thing is freedom from sin. Go with me to Psalms 119, verse 16. Psalms 119, 16. Gentlemen, I'll just bring it up here. We'll work as a team. You guys want to be teammates? Okay, so I'll do this part, and then you guys do that part. All right, thank you. Psalms 119 says, if we keep the word of God in our heart, it will keep us from sin. So now, what about self-talk when it comes to temptation? So you're looking at the internet. I always like to call out guys on the internet because I know this is a big deal. So imagine you're at the internet, guys. You see some type of ad, some type of pretty girl, whatever that is. And now, what self-talk do you hear in your mind? Ooh, let me look at that. Let me check this out, right? We have that self-talk. Ladies, it may be an ad for shoes that comes up, right? Oh, I may need those. Oh, maybe it's a purse that comes up. Oh, I need those. And you're like, and that's lust because you know you don't. You know you got 20 pairs in the closet already. You already know you got 50 purses that you ain't using. 
And sometimes every time, every time my wife, like, I don't know, it's always like, I'm pregnant, I need this. I'm not pregnant, I need this. It's fall, I need this. It's winter, I need this. And I'm always like, what's up with last winter's stuff? What's up with last pregnancy stuff? Oh, that stuff don't work no more. And so for some reason, we got all of these different batches of season, of this, this stuff of these seasons in our life. Okay, so whether it's self-talk about lust in the flesh Lust of the eyes, okay? How do you self-talk when it comes to sin? Now, what if you memorize Scripture like this? Look at Psalms 119, verse 1. And here's David even just talking about Scripture memorization and its benefits. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. See, in their heart, they're seeking God. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Look at verse 4 and onward. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Everybody say, God has laid it down. Amen. Oh, that my ways were steadfast and obeying your decrees. How many would, would believe that or say that out today? I wish that I would be steadfast in following God's word. That's what it says. Oh, that my ways were steadfast and obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Now, keep going. I will praise you with an upright heart as I what? As I what? As I learn your righteous laws. So I'm going to learn them. I'm going to learn what Paul said in Galatians, what Paul said in, in Ephesians. And when I get tempted, I'm going to speak that word over my temptation. I'm going to take the time to memorize, learn what you've said. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Now look at this. I love this, and this helped me so much when I was a young man. And I'll say this. This is for anybody at any stage of their life, but just for young men. Hear this specifically, too. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can we stay pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Now look at verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So what did he say? He said, I have hidden your word right here. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. So when we look at that second benefit, oh, and by the way, it just keeps going. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I will recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Oh, here's another good one. you got to keep going. Verse 14. I, I want to see if anybody believes it like this. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Are you as excited about obeying God's commands as the rich man is about his money? Do you love God's commands more than Donald Trump loves his money? Hello. That's what David said. David said, I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in their riches. So are you taking time to memorize God's words? That's just the second benefit. Look what, what we're getting right now. When I take time to learn God's word, place it in my heart, I've changed my self-talk, I'm living by faith now. I now am becoming free from sin. Is God a liar? He's not a liar. So he says, if I do these things, I'm free. So the question is, are you doing these things? Because if you're not free, it's not God's fault. Whose fault is it? 
It's our fault. It's your fault. This is what he told you to do. If you expect God to just set you free just because you prayed one prayer here on Sunday and didn't put God's word in your heart and your mouth on Monday, that's not how it works. You can't blame God for that. You've got to carry the word so that the word can carry you. You've got to work and twerk that word so the word can work and twerk for you. This is the principle of all godly people. This is not just what we're doing now. This is what we've always done to live free. Let's keep going. i got five more to go, and this is still just part of the message because I want to get to the practical parts. Uh, this is really kind of an introduction. Everybody say introduction. Thank you. Look at Philippians 4, chapter 6 through 8. As we learn, this next benefit is a sound mind and freedom from anxiety and worry. How many ever feel anxiety and worry? Let's be honest. How many of you would feel anxiety and worry if you were in a car accident and both cars got totaled, right? Don't you think I felt that? Don't you think my children felt that? Don't you think Nancy's feeling that? We all face things in life. But how are we going to take on our problems? Are we going to say, oh, my God, everybody's, uh, you know, everything's going wrong. I can't drive anymore, you know, because that's what it came into my mind. That's that's the thought that I got. Well, if I didn't go to Lauren's birth, uh, the Danielle's birthday party at Lauren's in, the, in that weather, nothing would have happened, you know. And so now what am I going to do? Not drive in snow, so that eliminates all the days that it snows. And then I said, well, you know what, well, maybe we could have gone, but maybe if I wouldn't have gone to do this thing at GameStop for my kids in this new Wii that we got, oh, then that wouldn't have happened. Now what am I going to do? not run errands for my kids. Hello, somebody. See, fear, anxiety will grip your heart to where you're living in a bubble wrap in your bedroom drinking food out of a straw because you can't go anywhere, because you can't do anything in faith, because the world has knocked it all out of you, knocked out the wind out of your sail. But look at what Paul said. He said, don't be anxious about anything. This is Philippians 4, 6. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, how am I going to be able to do that? I should do that by the word of God. How am I praying? Don't you guys remember we just read here in this passage that if I abide in his words, then I can ask whatever I wish. So the, the prerequisite for answered prayer in the kingdom of God is knowing Jesus' words. So if I don't know his word, how can I pray effective prayers? So if I'm saying, God, bless me with a Lamborghini, and I don't get it, and I say God doesn't know how to answer prayer, that's not God's fault. That's my fault because I haven't been abiding in God's word for my life. Hello? God promised to meet my needs, not my greeds. And so what he's teaching us is abide in my word, and you'll know how to pray. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't be anxious. Don't fret about these things. But in every situation, somebody say every situation. Thank you. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, just think about this for a second. You have to memorize this and understand this to apply this because if you didn't memorize it, you wouldn't even know to apply it. So you've got to start with this to even understand what God's asking you to do. Do you get how important it is to put the scripture in your heart? Because if you go through an anxious situation and you're freaking out, you don't even know that there's a place in the word that says here's how you deal with anxious situations. Oh, come on, that'll get you happy right there if you think about it. And then God promises us something. You see how he promises to do good for us? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can't understand how God brings us through the tragedies of life. 
I can't understand how God has blessed Cynthia Rodon with the peace that he's given her throughout her time in her battle with physical ailments. I can't explain how God brought my mother through the pain of losing her daughter, drinking and driving. I can't explain half of your situations here and the testimonies that you have, right? I can't explain them, but the Bible says it's still the peace of God. And we don't have to understand it. All we have to know is that when we're in trouble, we give our problems to God. We don't let anxiety take over. We become faithful in prayer and thanksgiving. And what he'll do will literally blow our minds. God will literally blow our minds with his goodness. Now watch this. This is the part that gets me so excited. He then says, finally, brothers and sisters, as if he's bringing the conclusion here to battling anxiety and the things we face in our life. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And where do we find those things? Where do we find true things? The Word of God. Hello. Where do we find noble things? The Word of God. You know, sometimes you've just got to put thought blockers in your mind to stop the onslaught of worry. When worry comes into your mind, all these things are going wrong, you just need to say, God is good, God is good, God is good, God is good, until that worry dissipates. I'm telling you, that's what it's like sometimes. Life gets tough, worry comes at you, and you just need to learn one little phrase, the Lord is good and His kindness endures forever. Amen. Just, just memorize one scripture about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights from whom there is no shifting of shadow. Amen. Come on, if God be for us, who can be against us? And you just block the floodgates of hell and the floodgates of this world. Think on it, think on it, think on it, think on it until your brain is washed clean. Amen. When I first became a Christian, they said, man, Pastor, uh, man, Joe, I think you've got brainwashed. And I was like, I need to get brainwashed. My, wash, my, my brain is messed up. I need a new cleaning. I need a new mind. Hello, somebody. I need to think about God's word. When we go to the number four here, we're seeing that God uh, gives us answers to prayer. And we just went through that so we don't have to go through it again. So just listen to the things we're learning right now from memorizing scripture. Increased faith, freedom from sin, sound mind, answers to prayer. Why? Because we're praying according to the will of God. Going to the next part, Acts chapter 2, 15. Turn there quickly with me because we have power to preach. Everybody say power to preach. I talk to so many people, and they say, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to witness to my friends. Let me ask you something. Do you know how to talk to your friend about your favorite thing in life? Like, what, what, you know, whatever you like. If you're a basketball fan, do you know how to talk to your friend about basketball? If you like to eat, do you know how to talk to your friend about restaurants? I've got some people in my life, they are consumed with restaurants. We'll be at one restaurant eating that they told me all about. I'm eating there with them. They'll be telling me now about another restaurant. And I'm like, you're never satisfied. We just finally got to this one. Now you're telling me about the next one. And then every time they go out to eat, they have to put up their little selfie pics of what they're eating. And let me just tell you, most of y'all pics of food on the Internet don't look good. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. Every now and then there's a good picture that comes out. But most time I'm just like, especially when somebody cooks it, you don't want to be rude, but you look at it. And, and they're like, oh, I'm so happy I made this. And you're like, dear Lord, I'm glad I'm not at your house right now. Let's just keep it real. I'm glad I'm not eating that pea soup, whatever you just made. But you know what? We just love to talk about food and all of this. Well, that comes natural to us. Well, why, why do you think it's hard for people to talk about God's word? Because they haven't spent time with it. 
they haven't spent time with it like they did their recipes, like their favorite restaurant, like their favorite TV show, like their favorite sporting outing, like their favorite store. They haven't put in the time to learn the word. Now, let me just help you this with this right here. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but let me just help you. When they were living in Bible times, they didn't have smartphones. Did anybody, did everybody already know that? They, they didn't have smartphones. How about this? Do you know that when they were living in Bible times, they didn't even carry around books? Did you guys know that? They didn't even carry around a book called the Bible. They didn't even have that. Their, their Old Testament was in scrolls kept in sacred places in the synagogue. So they weren't walking around going, you know, here, let me talk to you about this. But I want you to look at what Peter does right here. Look at what Peter does. Watch Peter. He's a fisherman. Was he a Bible scholar? Was Peter some real highfalutin, like, intelligent person? No, he was a fisherman. But look right here. He starts talking to these people. He says, uh, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. That's what happened when they uh, start speaking in tongues. The uh, onlookers thought they were drunk. Like, what's wrong with those guys? They're drunk. No, they're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning, Jack. But now look what he does. Look at what Peter does. Look what the fisherman does right here. He says, no, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, now, Peter says this is what the prophet Joel said. Now, how did he know that? How did a fisherman know what the prophet Joel had to say? Because he had been reading the word, memorizing the word, putting the word in his heart. And when God said, now is the time to unleash it, it was right there to be set out. He had been practicing. He had been learning so that when God said, now I want you to share that, he got to share it. So let me ask you something. If I had you stand up right now and say something, could you say something other than thank you, Lord, for my breath and all of that? And that's great. You could do that. But could you stand up and start preaching to us? Could you say this is what the prophet Isaiah said? This is what John the apostle said. Could you quote anything up in this place? This fisherman puts a lot of not only Christians to shame but pastors to shame. Because most pastors don't memorize a lot of scripture. So look what this fisherman does. Now, remember this, no smartphone and no book. He is standing up in a public place, and he says, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. This is all from memory. This is from the memory of a fisherman. Why? Because when he was fishing, he was probably meditating on the word. He was probably going, you know what, I'm going to memorize Joel chapter 1 while I'm out here today. So I'm just going to keep casting out my line, and I'm going to say this is what's going to happen. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And he's meditating, self-talking the word while he's out there on that boat. He utilized his mental space to fill it with the word of God, not trivial information about what's next on Food Network or the favorite TV show or what's, who's best adding this or who's got the best average in basketball. Hello, somebody. He fed the space of his mind the word of God. And he just keeps on preaching, preaching from his heart. So if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I struggle with what to say. We'll start memorizing the word. Start, and I'm going to teach you how to do it very practically. Trust me, I'm going to make it real practical. No one's going to be here like, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you are going to know how to do it. We're actually going to do it practice for here today. Are you guys going to be ready to learn a word today? Amen. Look at the next thing the Bible promises, prosperity. How many want to be blessed in what they do? Amen. We've read this scripture many times here before. Go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 once again encourages us to memorize the word of God. And since it is Psalms chapter 1, this was the first Psalms that I memorized. And so I memorized it in a different version, but you can check me, you know, right here as we look at it. Psalm chapter 1, 
verses 1 and onward. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is upon the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield his fruit in season. His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Hello, somebody. I learned that as an 18-year-old kid getting off drugs. I'm telling you, man, I was just a few months ago getting high, and now here I am sitting in my bedroom memorizing this scripture, and I began to see God prosper me and give me blessing upon blessing. How many want to see that in their life today? Now, you can think to yourself, Pastor, I don't believe that. That's okay. You can live busted and disgusted if you want, but I want to be blessed. And you may say, Pastor, well, what about people who suffer? What about all of those things that don't go our way? How do you see prosperity then? I see prosperity all the time in people who are suffering because God is providing a sound mind for them, protecting them. And their testimony is what will last forever in heaven with treasures in heavenly glory. So hello, somebody. Whether they take it all from us on this earth, it doesn't matter. I still get it up in heaven by being faithful to God. But I thank the Lord that even upon this earth, I get to see his blessings. I mean, just ask yourself, do you want to be the best at your job? Do you want to be the best mom? Do you want to be the best uh, wife or husband? Do you want to be the best church member? I mean, do you have plans in life to succeed? How does the Bible teach you to do it? By meditating upon the law of the Lord day and night. What are you like? You are like that tree planted by streams of water. What is the water? The water is the word of God giving the nourishment to that tree. That's why what you do prospers. Ask yourself this question. How did Jesus prosper? He prospered, and he told you how he prospered, by doing everything the Father said. So if you want to be like Jesus, do everything the Father said. Jesus never sinned. If you don't want to sin anymore, do like Jesus. Amen? I'm tired of us making excuses to be jacked up in life. Let's start living like Jesus. He's the one that said he's our example. He said, if you want to be like me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. How many want to follow Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. Oh, God is so good. I'm encouraging myself. I feel Jesus. This is why I came to church. Hallelujah. I didn't come here for the organization called Metro Praise International. I came for the organism of the body of Christ. I came here to hear the word of God, amen. I came to preach myself happy. I came to see the smiles on your faces and the amens on your heart because this is true for everybody. Let's go to the last one, leadership. This is what we get as a part of our life when we memorize the word. Proverbs 16, 23. If you find yourself in trouble and needing to make a decision, do you want to go to the guy who's freaking out, cussing and can't do nothing for anybody? Or do you want to go to the person who actually says something smart? That goes, hey, I got a plan. Let's follow it. Come on. Don't you want to have people in your life that you can trust? Well, why not start by being that kind of person that others can trust? Make happen for others what you want to have happen for you. Be the kind of leaders that you wish were leading you. Do for others what you would want done unto you. And so we look at this scripture here in Proverbs, and it says, The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent. Did y'all just catch that? See, Jesus said it's from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And the heart is another word for the mind in the Bible. Don't have time to get all into that. But the heart-mind connection is all throughout the Bible. But look at this. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent. You see, it's when you have it in your heart, it comes out through your mouth. 
It's like the old timers used to say, if you got a pot full of uh, whatever it is and it starts to boil, whatever's in that pot's going to come out. And so when you start to get boiled in life, whatever comes out through your mouth is what's been in your heart all along. If you stub your toe and you want to take his name in vain, then that must mean you didn't respect him a lot to begin with. If you're going to take anybody's name in vain, why don't you curse Hitler? Stub your toe. Oh, Hitler? You dirty dog, Hitler. Why are you going to take our Lord and Savior's name in vain? Hello, somebody. So if what you have in you is not good, when you get shook, when you get boiled, when you get heated up in life, it's just going to come out. Well, I didn't mean to say that. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, you know where it came from. It came from your heart. It came from your meditation. And it's the same thing when it comes from the good of the heart. The Bible says the heart of the wise makes their mouths prudent. So they know the words to speak. They know what to say. I know I've said the wrong things, and I can't blame anybody but my own heart. Lord, purify my heart. Cleanse me, as it says in the Psalms. Cleanse me and make me clean, O Lord. And their lips promote instructions. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Have you seen that in life? When you speak words to your children that are positive and uplifting, it's literally like honey to their soul. It's health to their bones. We're now finding out with modern medicine that stress is uh, um, unhealthy for the bones, and stress is a lot of self-talk, negative self-talk, and out loud self-talk. When you're angry, you're losing your temper, your blood pressure just goes up. That's a result of stress. Hello. But when you calm yourself down, you take control of your emotions, you get the Holy Spirit gift of self-control, your words match your heart, and it's like a honeycomb to people around you. It's nourishment to them. So let's look at these benefits, and I hope that you're ready to learn how to memorize Scripture and meditate upon His Word. Okay, here we go. Seven benefits of memorizing the Word of God. Number one, increase faith. Number two, freedom from sin. Number three, a sound mind. Number four, answered prayers. Number five, power to preach. Number six, prosperity. And number seven, leadership. If you want those things, can I hear an amen? Amen. Now I want to get into the practical ways that we should meditate and practice this ancient tradition. And when I say meditate, I am not talking about, once again, wearing yoga pants and being a vegan. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about what David did. I'm talking about what Jesus did. So let us not let the world take away this ancient tradition. Matter of fact, this would be a good time to read this to get your attention again to it as I make it practical. Think about this. Since the time of creation, God's people have been practicing scripture memorization and spiritual meditation. That's the way the scriptures were handed down, by the way, because they memorized it right before they could write. So it's always been there. It's only in our modern era that many disciples have forgotten the importance of being still before God and abiding in his words. So before we move on and I start teaching you how to do it, just be honest what you've been doing before today. Have you been taking any time out of your busy day to spend 10 to 30 minutes quiet before the Lord, meditating on his scripture, memorizing it, and feeding your soul? If you have not, this is for sure for you, and if you have, hopefully it will encourage you. As a result, many false religions and New Age techniques have come in and stolen the attention from God's original plan for peace. How many of you have seen things online or at your job or from your friends that say, hey, doing this meditation really helps. It really calms me down. Maybe at the hospital doing this to relieve pain. You know why they're saying that? Because there is a physical connection and the world is catching on to it. But the Bible has always taught it. 
Today's sermon is aimed at teaching it to you. Now, I want you to see this in David's um, Psalms again. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to go quickly through all of this. But I want you to see what David said, Psalms 4, verse 4. Listen, David, everybody say, David, is this Buddha? Is this Krishna? Is this guru, whatever? No, no, no. Who is this? David, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Even the word Selah there is a word of stillness. When you see that in the poetry of Psalms, it means stop reading, take a breath, and let what you heard just set in. That's literally what it means, Selah. Let this set into your heart. That's part of the Bible. The Bible is poetry. Isn't this amazing? We're opening up our lives to the obvious now, but I hope that it's something new for some of you. But it has, isn't this obvious? It's a poetry book, Psalms, and he's teaching us, take a breath and meditate on God when you're laying upon your bed. Isn't this beautiful? Now, I want you to think about meditation in these ways. So I'm going to define it very specifically so you don't think I'm uh, promoting something that's not biblical. The kind of definition we're getting from is, is from the Bible, and it's the act of focusing one's thoughts to ponder, to muse, and to reflect, contemplate on a given subject to discern its meaning or significance or a plan of action. So we're talking about you meditating, focusing, contemplating on either the subject of God and his attribute of love, you know, just, God, I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes and think about your attribute of love and let you fill my heart with the images of what that means. A father with a child, you know, love, sacrifice, a soldier. I'm going to let God fill me with that meaning, and I'm going to let the scripture come to life. God is love. God is love. 1 John 4, God is love. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. God, I'm going to take 10 minutes to think about how your love and your love never fails. Boom. You see? We're going to focus on that. Or God, I'm going to focus on the plan of being a good father. I'm going to focus on that. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Husbands, Honor your wives and love them as Christ does the church. Lord, show me what that looks like. Show me romantical things. Show me walks on the beach. Show me humility. Show me brokenness. Show me what you did for the, the church. Ten minutes meditating upon a father's love. Hello, somebody. That's what we're talking about. You want to see biblical examples? I don't have time to go through them all, but let me show you this one real cool one. Let me get a little allegorical on you. Somebody say, get allegorical, Pastor. Now, some of you don't know what that means, and I'll just explain it to you. Let's go to Genesis chapter 24. A lot of preachers, the way they like to preach is allegorical. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. They'll say, you all remember David, you know, and David went to the, rock, uh, went to the, the stream, and he picked up five rocks, and he went to go kill Goliath. How many know that story? And then the preacher go, well, those rocks are the promises of God. you got to take one out. Somebody say, take it out and swing it at the devil. That devil is Goliath. Take out that promise. Swing it all around. Come on, somebody. Take that promise. Anybody got a promise? Say, I got a promise. See, that's allegorical preaching. And I love to preach like that. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Amen. If preaching like that is wrong, I don't want to be right. 
But I got most of the time I go line upon line, precept upon precept. But right now I just want to give you a little allegorical preaching. I'm, I might need somebody to get on the keyboard for me. Whoever I got here, get on the keyboard for me. Come on, get excited. Come on, come on, Vinny. Now watch this. Abraham was now very old. Everybody remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Okay, so Abraham's old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to his senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. So they're going to make a promise by putting their hand under his thigh. And he basically tells them, we have time to go through the whole story. He says, go back over here and go find my son Isaac a wife. So Isaac needs a wife, and all these women around here are crazy. You know what I'm saying? These are the ones backing it up and working and twerking. You need to go to church and go get my son a wife, not from over here in the clubs. Amen. So he sends this man to go get Isaac a wife. Who's going to get a wife? Isaac. Okay. Now Isaac has got to trust what his what his uh, sir, his father's servant brings back. So we we got to see here in the story that that Isaac has got to trust this man's taste in women, and that God has got to lead him. Because if if he brought back the wrong one, Isaac may have to run away. You know what I'm saying? He may say, "Oh Lord, I don't know if I can love this woman. Her breasts stink. She's missing teeth." She limps with her leg. No, I, but I got to tell you, I ain't got time to tell you a funny preacher story. I ain't got time for that. Okay, so bottom line, this man finds her. He's bringing her back. Does anybody know who Isaac's, who, who uh, the servant found for Isaac? What was her name? Rebecca. There you go. And so we're going down through the story. Rebecca, here we go with the brother Laban. And so the servant is doing this, and I got to go back to my scripture here uh, so I can find it. Uh, 63. So here's the story. You can read all in, uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter 24. Now watch this right here. It says, come on, I need, I need a little help. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lerau, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. What did he go out to the field to do? to meditate. He went out to say, God, I can't see my wife yet, but I know that I can trust my father. And if he sent a servant to go get her, he's going to come back with the right one. She's going to be hotter than, than J-Lo. She's going to be hotter than all these other women. She's going to have it going on, and I'm going to meditate. Somebody say, he's going to meditate. And as he looked up, hallelujah, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from where he came. She got down from where he came. From her camel, rather. <laughs> Get too excited. From her camel. Somebody say, she got down. She got down. <laughs> the bottom line is this. As he was meditating... God brought him the good that he needed. As he was setting his eyes on Jesus, God brought him a beautiful wife. As he put the kingdom of God first, 
all that he needed was added unto him. I just want to know. I said I want to know. Is there anybody who wants to meditate on God's word before you see the promise? Is there anybody that wants to trust God that he's got the best for you so that when you see it coming, you'll say, thank you, Jesus. I've been here all along. I haven't freaked out. I haven't given up. I haven't turned my back on you. I've been faithful, and I've been waiting. When people thought I was crazy, I was meditating. When people said, why don't you stop trusting God? I said, I'm meditating because I know God's got my back. Give it up for Jesus and the brother in the back. Come on. I tried. I messed up a little bit, but I tried. God knows I tried. Woo! Matter of fact, Vinny, just stay up there. We're going to close it down. Let's bring it a little bit soft now. Oh, you can look at all these examples of meditation, but I love that idea. Look at that. Isaiah, uh, Isaac is meditating, and then God brings him what he's been praying about. Now, here we're going to practice this today, okay? We're going to practice ways to biblically meditate. Y'all ready to do this? Okay. Because we ain't going to let Oprah outdo us on this. Amen? We ain't going to let her life class outdo us. The life class is in the Word of God. You need peace for your soul. You're going through troubled times. Here's a great way to find peace. And all those benefits of Scripture memorization, I believe God will do in your life. Okay? So we're going to find a quiet place. We're in a quiet place right now. No real distractions. We can, get, we can get focused here. Now think about this. You may be busy in life or things may be hard, but I guarantee you can find a quiet place. Two stories that come to my mind. One was Joe from the Calio. When I used to live in New Orleans and pastor down there, Joe lived in the housing projects where Master P came from. It was dangerous. His, his uh, mother was on drugs, had boyfriends in all the time. The kids were not acting right. But he was coming to youth group wanting to live for Jesus. And you know where he told me he found his quiet place? In the bathroom. And I said, Joe, why is it you have to go to the bathroom? He said, because out in my apartment, in this, in this project house, it's so crazy. But I go into this bathroom, I close my eyes, and heaven meets me there. Isn't that precious? He's an awesome uh, man right now, married with two beautiful kids. He's in the military serving God in our country. I'm so proud of him. Another story that comes to mind is the mother of uh, John Wesley, Susanna Wesley, she had, I believe, over a dozen kids. I mean, this was when you just had kids instead of hobbies. You know what I'm saying? You just had as many kids as you could. And uh, she had 12 kids. And the, you, know, you know where her prayer closet was? She taught her kids this. She taught them because you got to teach your kids this. Otherwise, they'll go crazy if you try this and, and steal something or break something or do something, whatever, run out the front door. But this is what she taught her kids. She said, kids, when you see mama pull that apron over her head, she's talking to Jesus. You let her be. Now, can you imagine that? That would sound crazy for some of us right, right now. Like I said, the kids would be running out the house. Oh, we're free. Mama talking to Jesus. No, but no, these kids knew what to do because, you know, God was with their mother. So she would put that apron over her head, and she found that secret place. That's why Jesus taught us to go into a closet and pray. He said, when you go out and pray, don't be out here on the streets for everybody to see you announcing this is my prayer here I'm praying. He said, go into a closet where nobody can see you know, I watch my wife go into our closet. She goes in there, shuts off the light, sits on the floor, and just starts to pray and talk to God. Isn't that special? Do you have those kind of places and times? Find a quiet place. Sit comfortably and settle your mind. 
We've learned physically that controlled breathing helps settle your body. So we're going to practice just controlled breathing right now, okay? We're going to breathe in for four seconds. We're going to hold our breath in for seven seconds. And then we're going to exhale for eight seconds. Now, once again, this is not something the world made up. Who gave us breath in our lungs? Who gave it to us? Who did that? Jesus, God. So we're just learning from him, right? In for four, holding for seven, breathing out for eight. Let's do it. One, two, three. One more time. You know what you can say while you're doing that? I'm breathing in your love. And I'm breathing out your grace. You can breathe in the love of God, breathe out his grace. Focus your thoughts then on that verse that you came to while you were reading that stuck out to you. So you read your Bible sometime today or you read it yesterday and let's say what stuck out to you was this very scripture right here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You're reading that and you go, oh man. I feel that on the inside. I think God is speaking to me. Now you take that word, and after you are in that place of uh, quietness, you just start to read it out loud, you know, until you memorize it. And so you'll just say it. And so how I memorize, I go, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, if you abide in me. And I'll say it like four or five times out loud, if you abide in me. And then I'll go to the next section. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Do you know that the Jewish people, like David said, I can recount all your laws? They did this for 613 passages of the Bible. This is how they memorized it and passed it down, my friends. This is how Peter could speak verses from Joel. Come on, let's just take some time in your own words right now. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Here's my best guess at it, just for the few seconds we've done it. I know maybe I may be off a few words, but this is my best. And trust me, I didn't memorize this before. This is my best attempt. If you abide in me and my words abide in me, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it shall be given to you, or it shall be granted you. It shall be done for you. Come on. 
But just think about this. Those of you who think this is intimidating, imagine if you just took this part. I mean, because we already got this, most of us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You can ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Man, that's so powerful. If we could get that. Okay, so now we've read it out loud. We repeat it. And now we pray that verse, and we incorporate it into worship. So right now, if you got to cheat, look at it. That's okay. Just start right now to incorporate it into your prayer time right now. What word do you want to see God perform in your life? Just start to pray it, you know. God, I abide in your word of peace today because you said if I abide in you and your words abide in me, I can ask whatever I wish and it shall be done for me. I abide in your peace today. I ask you to be with my wife, God. I ask you to be with her, God. We abide in you today, God. I ask you to be with my children, Lord. Come on, what words are in your heart right now? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Let's get Adam to come up in the band, and we'll just show you how to incorporate into worship. Just make up a melody in your heart, you know? And I can't sing worth anything. You guys know that. Sometimes I feel like that one guy. I see skies of this and blah, 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 and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. That's how I think I sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I abide in you, God. I'm abiding in you. Let your words abide in me. You promised, God, you would always hear my prayers. You would never leave me. You would never forsake me. Oh, God, I abide in you today. Come on, in your own words, make it a worship. Make it a worship right now. Don't be embarrassed. We're practicing what we're preaching. Do I have any of our worship leaders? Any of them just come? Come on, we're going to have some of them come on the microphone and just help. But right now, just do it on your own. A few more minutes. We're practicing abiding. We're practicing abiding in the words of Jesus. Adam, just sing whatever comes to your heart, please. We got a few more moments here, guys. Let's not be in a hurry. And as Adam's singing, let's practice this last part. Let's now relax, rest in the presence of God by visualizing the things we're praying about and using faith. Remember Abraham counted the stars? There's different visual aids we can use to help us. Think about what Jesus talked about here. 
the vine, the branches. So now as you're doing this here, think about how you would do this at home. You're in that quiet place. You're taking your breaths. You're calming yourself down. You're thinking on the Word of God. You're meditating. And now you just start thinking about this luscious vineyard. And you can just say to yourself, I am that grape. I am that branch bearing fruit in the vine. I am a fruitful disciple. I am who God said I am. I will not let the stresses and the pressures of this world take me away from the vine of Jesus. Let's tie it all together. 30 seconds right now. Just you and God. Hallelujah. If some of you were thinking about your children and you were branching out with children or something to do with children, would you just stand right now? I just want to pray for some of you because I know that's on a lot of our hearts, our family, our children. Lord, I pray you bless our families here. There's a picture that uh, David says in the psalm because I see a lot of men standing up. I know it's for women as well, but just for a lot of these men, let me encourage you. There's a picture that David draws in the psalms and he says, you will grow old, you will prosper, the children will be like arrows in your sheath, and they will be mighty in the city. And so just kind of think of this, gentlemen, and women too, of course, but men, think of this. Think of like the most epic, like warriors you can think of, right? Like, you know, 300, the Lord of the Rings. And think about you sitting there with your kids around the table like that with the big goblets, you know, it's just, it's just epic. And of course your daughters are there, but they're strong, they're powerful, they're warriors, they're confident. I mean, that's like a cool picture, but David paints that. Here's another picture for women as well. You know, men can get into it, but here's one for women. Now watch this. David says in Psalms 91, it's like a mother eagle or a... A big bird, because it doesn't say the kind of bird it is, but under the feathers of his wings, we are comforted. Just imagine yourself right now, just spreading out your love and covering your children right now with the love of God. Come on, fathers, we can do that too, right? But, but that's just showing you that, that God gives us different hearts. You know, some for the women, some for the men, we all can relate, but just think about that. You're just covering your children. Can I get everybody to stand now as well, please? I'm going to say two things before we close out. One, if you think this is silly, I want you just to go back and read the Psalms especially because you'll see that David was all about this. Just think about what David said in Psalms 23. Think about it, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't that put an image in your mind? The Lord is my shepherd. Now listen to this. He makes me, I, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
When my daughter during this trauma was so upset and frazzled, can you imagine that? My one-year-old, she's crying, she's crying, she's screaming. There's smoke in the car. All the airbags have gone off. I make her lie down until her heart settles. God says he'll do that with you in that place. He'll settle you. Peace beyond your understanding. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Don't you get this? I'm not done with that, gentlemen. Thank you. I know you're trying to help. Thank you. Get this picture in your mind. I mean, just get it. This blows me away. I actually go to bed saying this scripture, and I used it last night. So powerful. Can you just imagine a sheep going and getting water? But now think of yourself. You guys have been in the hot climates. I know Chicago can get hot, but I know many of you have traveled too, right? I used to live in New Orleans, and I'm telling you, you can get so hot that you can dehydrate, you can pass out just on a normal day. And can you just imagine going to a stream of living water, just clear water, just, oh, I'm just drinking it. Can you imagine how refreshed you would be? That's the picture of David. That's what he's telling us. Man, I love David. Now he says, Though I, uh, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Can you just imagine David about ready to go to battle? Talk to any professional athlete. Talk to any warrior. Talk to anybody. You know what they do? They visualize that thing before they go out. I will fight unto death. I will lift this weight. I will run that race. I will be at that finish line. you got to remember, David's not some sissy pansy. David is a warrior, and he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not fearing any evil. When I get in the battle and I watch a 1,000 fall at this side and 10,000 fall at this side, I'm going to keep swinging because you're with me. You're with me. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And then lastly, in closing, I want you to see this. Uh, a pastor, or excuse me, a psychologist, Christian psychologist, wanted to see how well these things worked. And so what he did, and you can read more about this in his uh, book, Renewing the Mind uh, in the Secular World. But for three years, he, he interviewed seminarians, okay, people like me who are in the seminary studying. So these are Christians. They love God, right? He studied them for three years, and this is what he found. This is so mind-blowing. It actually blew his mind. He wasn't even ready for how strong this was. He put them in three categories at the beginning and three categories at the end. Strong mentally, okay mentally, or really struggling, having issues in their life mentally. Do you know that after three years, the ones who were all strong, all of them, did one thing in common. He could not find any other common thing. Some exercise, some diet, some did this. But all of them did this. You know what it was? Practice, practice scripture meditation. All of them. All of them. And guess what else he found? Those in the category of struggling, those that were having the depressive thoughts, those that were really hurting, none of them. Read the book. This is the largest Christian counseling center. It's in, it's in Wheaton, Dr. Meyer. Read it yourself if you don't believe me. He said, out of that situation, those people, none of them practice regular scripture meditation. They might have read it every now and then, but none of them practice it. Now, I'm not saying mental illness is a fault of our own. I'm just saying when you become healthy mentally, you will apply this. 
And if you don't, you will suffer from it. You will apply this. And the world is trying to teach you to meditate. I'm nice. Everybody loves me. I'm a good person. I'll, I'll have a lot of money one day. No, but we meditate on the scriptures because the scriptures give us all those benefits. This is what the scripture does for us. The scripture gives us increased faith, freedom from sin, a sound mind, answer prayer, power to preach, prosperity, leadership. And so I want to challenge you today. Don't settle for the status quo of your mind and your thoughts. Let's go out and be who Christ called us to be, starting right here. Amen? Let's transform our minds by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us bring that message to others. Let's pray in closing. Lord, I thank you that today you have taught us. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Band, uh, uh, band would you start getting ready to sing a song that's going to be encouraging? Amen? Thank you. Jesus, we thank you today for bringing us here to hear your word. And I pray now we will put it into practice. We will practice peace. We will meditate on your scriptures. We will see the soundness of mind that it brings. 10, 20, 30 minutes a day. And begin, Lord, to be in your presence more than we ever have been. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you haven't experienced that love of Jesus yet, before you go, I'm going to ask that you would come and find a prayer worker and if you're here today and you're struggling, you're saying, Pastor, man, I'm really trying, but it's hard for me. Listen, we're not here to blame you or make you feel bad. We want to pray and encourage you. But don't leave out until someone prays with you or any needs you may have. But I want us in our hearts right now, before we leave, to settle that we're going to be meditators on God's Word, that we're going to memorize that Word. We're going to abide in it. Settle it in your heart today. In Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Would you bless them with me today? Come on, church. We're going to sing some songs. If you want to come pray, let's do it. Otherwise, slap your neighbor high five and say abide. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day. Abide in the words of Jesus. There we go. Come on.
sing how 